today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. to understand that in all of this, Peter is talking about the whole body of Christ. Here, husband to wife, a little earlier, wife to husband, before that, servant to masters, and yes, I believe even masters to servants. In the overall sense, brother to brother, sister to sister, all of us together. Peter goes on there. Listen to what he says in verse 8 and 9. After he said about wives, again, submitting to your husbands, husbands honoring and dwelling with your wives with understanding, Peter then goes on to say, Finally, all of you be of one mind. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter writes on the subject of submission. Children are instructed to obey and submit to their parents. Husbands and wives are instructed to submit to their spouses. All members of the body of Christ are to submit to each other and to earthly authorities. As each person in the family of God submits to one another in Christian love, the church functions well and in perfect unity. When the church is unified, it can fulfill the Great Commission without division and reflect God's love and glory. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, Likewise You Husbands, from the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. going to allow her to see uh, herself as a partner in faith with you, a partner in marriage and a partner in life. Again, by being a spiritual covering rather than that smothering blanket. Peter goes on to say that we as husbands should not only, we're dwelling with understanding, not only that, but we should also continually be giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Let's understand the first part first. This idea of giving honor. What exactly is Peter saying and, and how do we put this into action in our lives and in our marriage relationships? That phrase that Peter uses for giving honor, the word honor comes from the Greek word time. It's spelled like time, T-I-M-E, but it's pronounced time. And it's best understood as dignity, honor, to esteem, or to be precious. So again, giving honor is a recognition of esteeming to the highest degree, counting as valuable, and to reckon her as precious. Peter uses that same word a little bit earlier in his letter in chapter 2, verse 7, when he speaks about Jesus. In 1 Peter 2, 7, he says, Therefore, to you who believe, he, speaking of Jesus, is time. He is precious. It's the same word that he says that you and I need to reckon our wives as in giving honor. Paul, the Apostle Paul, uses that word throughout his writings, speaking again of giving honor or teammate to those to whom honor is due. 
This call for Christian men to honor or highly esteem our wives was absolutely unique within that Greco-Roman culture. Within Christianity, for a man to come up and reckon his wife as, again, highly esteemed, to honor her in that way, uh, was, was totally unheard of in the culture of the day. Christianity was birthed during a time when the culture considered a wife as not much more than a slave, not much more than just a piece of property. Well, beloved, Jesus changed all of that. Jesus changed it all. Guys, our wives are a precious vessel of God. They need to be understood as that very gracious gift of God. And again, and uh, as, as we join together in that journey that we call pilgrimage, the time, the, the honor, the recognition that we demonstrate toward her in private and in public, in her presence, as well as in her absence, is a good gauge as to our true understanding of what a precious vessel, what a gracious gift she is from God. One of the things that Totten and I determined in the very early days, I believe while we were still dating, it was even before we got married, is that we wouldn't use each other for the butt of our jokes. In other words, we wouldn't uh, uh, pile on the other and and make them the the foolish one in order to make us look better, whether it be in private or in public. That we would always speak of each other well, again with the, with the highest of terms, with with the, with the most respect, and even when we argue with each other, that we're not going to say demeaning words to one another, and. You know what? We, we've been doing that and working at that. I can't say we've always been perfect, but we've worked very hard at that for the last 41 years. And it was just a couple of weeks ago that a friend of ours uh, was talking with us, and she said something along the line, oh, you should have heard what Tot said about you in kind of a joking manner. And, and then she kind of shook her head, and she said, no, you never say anything bad about him, do you? And she spoke to Tot, and Tot just looked at me and smiled, and I smiled back at her. Guys, that's esteeming, that's honoring. That's what we're to do to each other. But wives, for your husband, husbands, for your wives. Do you honor your wives in private as well as in public, in her presence or in her absence? God's word declares that we're to honor each other. So how are you working that out in your life? There's another descriptor that that Peter uses here in this passage. Again, speaking to the wives, giving honor to the wives. And he says, as a weaker vessel. Excuse me. We need to ask the question, in what ways are women really considered a a weaker vessel? Uh, As I look around the room this morning, I can see that probably maybe about 50% of you guys could take your wife on in an arm wrestling match. Okay, but but I... Again, this isn't really where he's going with this. So what does he mean by they're a weaker vessel? Are women weaker morally or spiritually than men? There's no doubt about it that women are sinners. I'll just lay that out there. If you hadn't figured that out yet, women are sinners. But then so are men too, okay? So it really doesn't make it make any difference at that point in time. 
doesn't mean that they're off base spiritually any more than men. As a matter of fact, I feel that a pretty strong case can be made that nearly the opposite would be true in a general sense, that usually women morally are a little bit more in line than men are. Spiritually, many times they're more in tune than men are. Not all the cases, not every time, but we can see that. I don't believe that Peter is speaking about weaker morally or spiritually. Both both men and women, though, we both need a Savior. Both men and women can be spiritually bankrupt or spiritual giants. Both are used in various capacities in the ministry and in the overall work of the kingdom of God. And in a general sense, neither man nor woman is superior to the other morally or spiritually. So, as we look on into what Peter is saying, we we need to remember what I shared before. When Jesus came into the world, there was this great spiritual leveling of the playing field. Paul reminds us that in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So if it's not morally and spiritually, what else could it be? How about intellect and emotion? Is she a weaker vessel in areas of intellect or emotion? Again, nowhere in the New Testament do we find the woman listed as intellectually inferior. Even within our culture today, women are in no way less capable intellectually than men. But yet, even in our culture, oftentimes we see this, what's called the glass ceiling, that men can be promoted through it, and yet women oftentimes are held down. Because they're less capable? No. I believe it's simply a a problem with our culture. Then we look at this idea of, again, the emotional plane. And we see, again, on a broad sense, on a wide scale, most women are more emotional than men. And women are oftentimes more capable of sharing their emotions than a man. However, simply because a man is more likely to hold his emotions in doesn't mean that he's stronger emotionally. As a matter of fact, that might show just the opposite because he's fearful of sharing his emotions, whereas a woman more often will open herself up and reveal her emotions. So what is it Peter's trying to say here? I feel that, again, it's, it's pretty, plain, pretty plain, it's pretty clear, that it's simply weaker in that physical sense. And again, speaking generally, most men are stronger than their wives, most of them, okay? And yet many times, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I've seen the endurance factor of a woman be much greater than a man. How many of you guys, you know, volunteer for childbirth? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ain't no way, no way. I've seen not only my wife, but, uh, other women go through a, a lot of pain and suffering and, and keep on going. When I got sick, I was done for. I, I just wanted to lay down and just don't do anything. She gets sick, she keeps pushing and going and going. But with this idea of weaker vessel, I believe that in the overall scope of what Peter is saying here, with the idea of all that he's saying, with with what we've seen already and what we know throughout Scripture, I think that what Peter is saying is the idea that our wives are a precious and a choice vessel 
of great honor before God. And yet at the same time, they're delicate, they're easy to bruise, harm, or damage. And I believe that that can come in a multiple of ways. I think they can be bruised or damaged easier than a man spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Men, as you understand that, and as you treat her in accordance with that, you'll find your relationship with her sweeter and deeper in every aspect. And although he only uses the terms dwelling with and giving honor to our wives, I believe that Peter would be in wholehearted agreement with Paul when he tells us how much and in what way we also need to love our wives, dwelling with them with understanding, giving honor to them, but also loving our wives. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, husbands, love your wives. And then he goes on to say how we're to love them. He says, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That's a sacrificial love. That's a complete love that says, you know what? You're more important than I am. And I want to lay down my life for you and for your sake. Paul also said there in Ephesians, the same passage, down in verse 28, he says, so husbands ought to love your own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. In other words, caring for her needs, caring for her desires, in the same way you care about what you desire. So what happens when those desires are different? She desires Mimi's, you desire Olive Garden. She desires one area of direction in life and you desire another. Well, I'm the head of this household. We'll go to where I want to go. Is that the attitude of Christ? I don't believe so. Is that the attitude of honoring her and blessing her and reckoning and understand the preciousness of who she is in Christ? I don't believe so. We're not going to get into Paul's teaching today other than to call attention to what we just read and to add to that the summation of what Peter to the husbands has said about their wives. That we're to cherish her above everyone else. That we're to honor her before all, both privately and publicly. That we're to cover her spiritually. That we're to protect her physically. That we're to guard her emotionally and we're to love her deeply. As important as all of these factors are, I still feel that the greatest impact of what Peter states here in verse 7 is found in that next phrase where he says, Husbands, again, that likewise dwelling with them, he says, dwell with them as being heirs together of the grace of life. Heirs together. Guys, above all things, if your wife is a believer, first and foremost, she's your sister in the Lord. She is your sister in the Lord. Even more so than being your wife. And if there was no other reason other than that, then you ought to treat her as that precious jewel that she is. 
You also need to recognize those spiritual gifts that God has blessed her with. And he's allowed you to share in. By recognizing those gifts within her, I don't believe that, that, that you forfeit your spiritual leadership in any way. Particularly when you recognize the distinctiveness of your wife's spiritual gifts and how necessary they are for the two of you to be able to work together in the call of God's kingdom as you move forward as husband and wife. As your sister in the Lord, you need to be very watchful. You need to be careful on how you treat her, how you speak to her, and how you open the grace of your life flowing from you to her and how all of that's demonstrated to her from your life. You and your wife, your heirs together of the grace of life. What an awesome experience it is to be able to walk together in pilgrimage. To know that your hearts and your minds are focused on the same thing. To know that you both desire Christ's best for each other. And you desire nothing more than that you together as husband and wife might honor Christ in everything. Oh, there's one more thing that Peter says here. It's the last portion of this verse And it kind of ties into that fact of your relationship, I believe, as brother and sister in the Lord, as well as the fact of you understanding and recognizing that she's that precious gift directly from God to you. If you're not living in that understanding way, guys, if you're not recognizing and treating her in an honorable way, if you're not walking in and desiring a a spiritual harmony with her in your lives, guess what? Your prayers are going to be hindered. No matter how spiritual a guy you may think that you are, if you're not treating your wife correctly and biblically and honoring her, your prayers are going to hit the ceiling and fall right back onto your face. Because you're not being obedient to the Lord in the greatest relationship that God has designed for mankind. Because you're not walking in direct obedience to God's commands, your failure to live as a godly husband is going to impact every other aspect of your spiritual life. It amazes me in talking to and with and Understanding relationships, sometimes of husband and wives, and particularly of Christian husbands and wives. How husbands can treat their wives and what they can say to them. The kind of language that a husband would use against his wife, the kind of declarations that a husband would use against his wife. Unfortunately, even in the Christian community, for a husband to speak to his wife in that way is speaking to her in a way that you would never speak to a brother in Christ. And sometimes, whether it be the husband or the wife, if bitterness is in the life because of the past and you're holding on to that bitterness, You'll never be able to see the fullness and the completeness of God in your relationship as husband and wife 
until all is forgiven and Christ is honored in your lives. That goes for both husband and wife. Peter, in helping us kind of get the whole picture, and again, we've, we've broken up this book and these chapters and these verses little bit by little bit each week, but you need to understand that in all of this, Peter is talking about the whole body of Christ. Here, husband to wife, a little earlier, wife to husband, before that, servant to masters, and yes, I believe even masters to servants. In the overall sense, brother to brother, sister to sister, all of us together. Peter goes on there. Listen to what he says in verse 8 and 9. After he said about wives, again, submitting to your husbands, husbands honoring and dwelling with your wives with understanding, Peter then goes on to say, finally, all of you be of one mind having compassion for one another. Husbands and wives, absolutely, having compassion for one another. Loving as brothers, I believe loving as brothers and sisters together, being tender-hearted, being courteous, not returning evil for evil. You know what? If we as husbands and wives would simply take these kinds of declarations, these kind of proclamations and say, you know what? In my relationship with you, I want to make sure that every bit of that is shining. And that's utmost in my relationship with you. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. And knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Gentlemen, when was the last time you spoke blessings to your wife? Spoke words of great encouragement to her. I believe that God's word calls for us to do that. To be actively involved in that. I won't ask for a raise of hands, wives, but I would imagine that probably every one of you would be blessed if your husband spoke blessing to you. If he honored you in the way that the word says. If he recognized and understood how precious you are in the sight of God. And he is a man of God. Needs to see and understand and act accordingly. A man's most important assignment or ministry in all of the world and in all of his life is his family. And of all of his family, his parents, his siblings, and even his children, only the wife was called to be one flesh with him. And that's a special relationship that cannot be compared to any other relationship you and I will ever have. If a man rises to great recognition in his field, in his, in his occupation, even if he solves the great problems of the world, if he gets elected to all of the right posts, if he's promoted over all of his peers, and he loses his family... He's an unsuccessful man. He's an unsuccessful man. Because this is what God has called for us to do.
Standing strong in the midst of persecution is a theme throughout the New Testament. Many of the newly created churches faced opposition from the world around them and were in danger of turning away from their faith due to these confrontations. It isn't a surprise that the book of 1 Peter also addresses this subject. Peter wanted to encourage new believers and remind them of the truth they had learned, that Jesus lived and died for the salvation of every person on earth. Sadly, persecution didn't die out through the ages. The enemy is still doing his best to derail the message of the gospel. Today, we want you to be encouraged as well. As a follower of Jesus, you will face persecution sooner or later. Stand firm in your faith, leaning on Jesus' truth for your source of strength and comfort. One way you can find support and encouragement in any season of your life is by getting involved in a local church. With that in mind, Pastor David has an invitation for you. Well, I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith. It's given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, you're looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church homepage. We welcome you to be a part of our time of worshiping our Savior and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse, growing closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in today to The Open Word.